So can we expect TJ Hawkinson to be back for the beginning of the 2024 season? See what we can figure out on the Locked On Vikings podcast. You like it on three, one, two, three, you like it! You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast, where we're always trying to learn something new. It's part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much to those of you who listen every single day. My hashtag everydayers, you are the foundation of the Locked On Network as a whole. I thank you very much. If you are new here, hello, what's up? My name is Luke. I will be your host. You can, of course, find the show anywhere that you listen to podcasts. So you can find it also on YouTube. Uh, you can find it on the SiriusXM app. And you can find us on Amazon Fire and Roku if you download the Locked On Minnesota Sports app. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. And right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if it is your first bet of $5 or more. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. So... There's two things I want to go over today. First off, we'll do a little bit of information uh, wrangling about TJ Hawkinson, who just had his surgery on his torn ACL. So the recovery process begins. There are a few things that I think are getting a little bit mixed up in the news cycle. So I want to make sure that I set the record straight and, and make sure that we're doing uh, proper media literacy, <laughs> social media literacy, uh, which is very important around this time of year where there's a lot of smoke screens about everything going on around and there's not really anyone, like no one really has an incentive to like tell the truth. So we'll be careful, uh, but it, that's not going to be a very long conversation. So we'll spend the rest of the show talking about Makai Blackman. And I want to go through the same thing that I went through with uh, Jordan Addison and essentially say, are we happy with the pick? And um, got a little bit of help from some people on just kind of parsing out exactly where, where he was wrong to do things, when he was right to do things, what looked good, what looked bad and stuff. Because for me, defensive backs are not like my biggest strong suit. So uh, nice to have a little help. So TJ Hawkinson early this week had surgery to repair his ACL. That surgery was performed by Dr. Neil Elitrash. I think I'm saying that right. Uh, who is known for surgeries like this. He did Aaron Rodgers's like experimental Achilles thing. And apparently he was almost ready to come back. Uh, he did Tom Brady's ACL back in 2008 when he tore it. He did all kinds of other uh, surgeries for there's a lot of guys in the fighting world, uh, UFC and like boxers and a couple of celebrity celebrity like uh, actors as well. So very prolific guy. And this is the first thing that I want to sort of set straight. That is definitely not an abnormal thing. I saw a lot of people really complaining or, or, or trying to like make a story out of the fact that that TJ Hawkinson did not use team resources to get the ACL repaired, but rather used this like other doctor. Um, he's, I think, in the same kind of echelon as like James Andrews, who did Adrian Peterson's ACL when he tore it in 2011, uh, as well as a couple of other surgeries for the Vikings. He's he, there are some of these guys that just do this for athletes, and uh, in particular, uh, I would be very, very shocked to learn that anyone in the Vikings organization cares so long as the surgery is done properly, uh, and, or or is gonna like bat an eye at this. I think that's people trying to make a story out of nothing. So if you see that everywhere, just understand people are pr probably just trying to get a rise out of you, uh, and and you shouldn't take them seriously. So that's that. 
the other thing is, this is pretty late. He tore his ACL on Christmas Eve. It's been more than a month. Um, usually, you'll see that surgery happen, you know, like the next, like two days from then, right? They prep for surgery. You, you go one day without eating enough, and then you do it, right? Um, that is also fairly standard practice. And I was curious about this, so I did some Googling, and I'm going to tell you what I Googled, what I found on Google. <laughs> but it seems, uh, this, I, I think I'm on pretty safe ground here. Uh, the, so it's, it's fairly normal when you have an ACL and MCL injury, uh, to wait for the MCL to heal, heal on its own. So the ACL is the ligament in the middle and the MCL is the one on the outside. The MCL, because of blood flow and because of where the joint fluid is, and just because of the way the knee is constructed and, and how easily your body can get nutrients and like stuff to it, uh, it can heal on its own. The ACL cannot heal on its own. It is in a place that the body doesn't really have its own access to. Um, so it, it has to be surgically repaired. It will not heal on its own. And I, I think in like very minor injuries, but usually surgical intervention is required. MCL, not so much. And in fact, if the MCL is injured, it sounds like it's just, it would like be in the way basically, or, or the symptoms of it would be in the way. So waiting for that to come down um, and, and to heal back up and, and be at least close to normal and then going in and doing the ACL surgery is, is the standard practice, to borrow a term from Kevin Seifert as he was reporting on this. Uh, I, I think I saw something somewhere that it was about like waiting for the swelling to go down, which actually might have something to do with it with the MCL. Um, but it's not, again, it's, it's not uh, abnormal to do that. The problem is that when you tear your ACL and MCL, it, it defers the entire recovery process for a month while you wait for that to heal, which is why it's so much worse to tear both of them than it is to just tear the ACL. Even if the ACL injury is worse, you go get it surgically repaired and you're done. So what does the recovery timeline look like? That's a difficult thing to answer because there's A, everybody's body is different. It's really difficult to, to understand and know exactly how what the plan is going to be, how aggressive the Vikings are going to try to be, and how aggressive Hawkinson wants to be uh, in terms of getting back to the field versus how much he wants to prioritize longevity, right? Like, that's a difficult decision to make, and it's not something that the team really should make. I think that's that needs to be up to Hawkinson. Um, and it's also just going to be different to see how they all respond, right? But... We've got more or less seven months till everybody's got to get to camp, right? Six months till everybody's got to get to camp, seven months till like the end of August and you got to get into get ready for, for the week, right? So on looking this up, and, and it's, it's difficult to find data about pro athletes and ACL recoveries because there's just not that many data points. Um, you know, you, how many ACL injuries have we had late in the season in the last five, 10 years when ten, more than 10 years ago, the data is pretty much useless because medical technology is changing rapidly enough that it's probably not even predictive anymore. So in the last five years, how many do you think we've had? Uh, and yeah, you, you will get a handful of them every year and you'll hear about them all the time. But even if that's a hundred data points, right? Even that's 20 people tearing their ACL in December every year, which feels pretty high to me. That's still only 100 data points, and ask any statistician, 100 data points probably isn't enough to get anything more than like a loose sense. And the loose sense is that an ACL is a year-ish long injury, but that sort of matches um, what you'll get when you talk about what it is for like everybody, for the guy who plays pickup basketball at the Y and tears his ACL there. There's kind of two routes that you can take. One is the long route, which can take nine to 12 months where you're really, really ginger with it and you know you, you let it heal as much as you can and you very slowly work your way back into full ranges of motion and full flexibility. 
and then you work back into gaining strength and you'll be back to uh, as, as normal as it gets by uh, about 12 months, nine to 12-ish months, depending on how your body responds and, and, and how healthy you are. Uh, then there's the more aggressive timeline, which is a six-month timeline where you go back to like range of motion like immediately, which can be dangerous, right? That can that risks reaggravation of the injury, that risks other injuries as well, or or straining your body in other ways. But it comes faster. It's also way more difficult and way more painful. It comes faster. Um, so what do you want to do? I do think that that's a difficult decision. It, as fans, it's really easy for us to be like, well, he should do the six-week one so that he's like definitely back in time for camp, right? That's so easy. But it's like very easy for us to say, you know, like that's that's his body. And, and I think that whatever decision is made, we just have to like respect that. <laughs> um, the other thing is, again, like those are estimates that were that I read on like a Sydney's, uh, a, a Sydney, Australia orthopedic clinic that's made for guys that got hurt, you know, playing in their backyard that, you know, have normal jobs. And, and the NFL has a very NFL athletes have very abnormal lifestyles. So they may be on a totally different track. They may go a little bit faster because they have more time and resources to dedicate to their recovery and rehab. They might go a lot slower because they have to get ready for much more intense motion, planting, cutting, in intense exercise than, you know, your average Joe. So I don't know how any of that goes. It's like six months, give or take two months, right? Nine to 12 months, give or take two months. Um, and, and here's the, the, the cold reality, right? This is the reality you don't want to hear, but is going to have to say there is a world where we do not see TJ Hawkinson in the 2024 season. I'm not saying that's going to happen. That ain't a prediction. I am saying firmly that we do not get to know and nobody is going to get tell you the answer before you before it happens. We, we're going to know when TJ Hawkinson is healthy the day he steps back on the field and not a second before. So you're just going to have to deal with that. Um, and and I, I know that's not fun. And I know that we, we, we live in a world of instant gratification where we all just want to flip to the back of the book and get the answer right away. But you have to wait. You have no choice but to wait. This has happened too many times with injuries, and I, and I hate this conversation, so I'm having it ahead of time, all right? But that's enough of that, all right? That's a, it's a whole big, long-winded way of saying we don't really know, and it's a bunch of question marks. So let's talk about a different question mark, which is Makai Blackman. What's the deal with that guy? Question mark. Today's episode of Lockdown Vikings is brought to you by eBay Motors. Your car is an extension of you, your style, your your lifestyle, and not only that, but it's something that is incredibly important to the way that you live life. So you got to take good care of that thing. And whether that means, you know, getting the right part and the right repairs when you need it, not driving it around when it's making a funny noise, or getting something cosmetic for it, right? Like a, something cool for like an LED headlight or something that helps you to express yourself. eBay Motors has you covered either way. They've got over 122 million parts and you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your car every time or your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices that you want, it's very easy to turn your car into the extension of yourself that it always feels like it is. So keep your car alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. eBay guaranteed fit. Only available to U.S. customers. Thank you so much to those of you who listen to this show every single day. My hashtag everydayers. I love you all dearly very much. 
Uh, if you are done with this and you are still have a hankering, go to patreon.com and watch. Well, there's a couple things you can watch all for free. Uh, you can watch all my quarterback videos. I've done four of them. I've done Drake May, Caleb Williams, Jaden Daniels, and Michael Penix. So if you want long, detailed breakdowns of those guys and their games and, and in some ways how they fit the Vikings, but it's also a little bit more national, you can go uh, find those all for free at patreon.com slash NFL. You can also find my uh, post-draft Makai Blackman video, which probably is really wrong because I've learned a lot about corners since then. So you can go there and uh, make fun of what I was trying to make sense of when I didn't really know anything. And I still don't really know much, but I probably know more than I did before. At least that's the goal. Okay, so here's what I want to, uh, how I want to attack this Makai Blackman thing. So th- the question is basically how did he play, right? But really, it's how happy are we with Makai Blackman as a third round pick, a late third round pick? Uh, and I think that that expectation is not to go be, you know, a day one, you know, bona fide cornerback one starter. I mean, he was he spent the entire year until the very end behind the depth chart, behind Byron Murphy and and Caleb Evans on the depth chart. I do believe that he started rotating a little bit with a Caleb Evans at the end of the year when a Caleb Evans fell apart. Um, so I guess that that's progress, but I think that had a lot more to do with Evans than it did Blackman. So I pulled up some of the games where he watched, where he he played a lot more, where you had guys hurt or whatever, uh, or benched, I guess. And uh, you can kind of see the play style that you you've gotten. And there is like I I can't remember covering a defense where it was harder to evaluate defensive backs because truly their jobs are way less demanding in this scheme I would say at least than they ever were for say Mike Zimmer Mike Zimmer asked a ton of his cornerbacks uh, and when they were good that meant everybody else's job got easy and you kind of put the whole weight of the world on Xavier Rhodes's shoulders and that's how those defenses were so good. Um, but if you take the, especially like if you just were to chart out what Makai Blackman did, which I didn't do, but I bet if you did, if you did, you would find that the vast majority of what he did was drop into his zone and watch the quarterback's eyes and break on the ball. Truly a zone quarterback. There was a lot of cover too, right? Where he's just playing an underneath zone, passing off anything deep, doing some redirects. And that was that. That said, I would say he was very, very good at that job. And you can be good at that job. That is like, I, I would say the easiest thing corners have to do is play cover two. And, and I'm not alone in saying that, that. I did not come up with that thought myself. To, <laughs> you're not taking my word for it. Um, but it, it, think about it, right? You never have to cover anything deep. You basically just have to get your hands on a guy and push him. Um, if, if the play does come to you, it's probably an underneath thing. And all you got to do is rally and tackle, which every every assignment requires you to rally and tackle when the ball is thrown your way. So that's not really a difference maker. Uh, and I think the, the difference maker when you're in cover two is those redirects or you call them walls. Uh, or I, I would say like walling, if you're going to talk like Saban terms, that's how next Saban teaches it. But basically, yeah, if, if you are a cover two corner and you're lined up against a receiver and that receiver is going deep, you don't just let him go, right? You, you pass him off to the safety and he is the safety's job, but on his way out, you redirect him. Get your hands on him, you push him, you you want to move him. And especially uh, if it's a go route, you want to move him off of the red line. The red line is, if you see like anybody's practice field, you'll see a red line um, about five yards in from the, or three yards in, something like that, from, from the sideline. And that is basically just an aiming point for quarterbacks to train themselves throwing a go ball. And that is also an aiming point for wide receivers to run the go ball. So 
once you've run a million go go routes on the red line, even without the red line on the real field, you can still kind of put yourself in that space. And so corners want to knock you off of that space. That line is where receivers want to be. So you redirect them, you want to get them off of that red line. It, it ruins the timing, it ruins the spacing, it makes the quarterbacks throw harder, it makes the timing harder, and it slows them down so the safety has more time to get over and make the play. He's really good at that. He's got guys going out to the sideline on their go balls. And part of that is, especially when he's lined up in a press alignment, or I'll call it like a cloud alignment, like three, four, five yards, uh, kind of on that precipice between truly press and then like an intermediate alignment. Um, the footwork is really important. And this is what Makai Blackman did at USC uh, is he was really, really good at, at like the 45 degree shuffle step. And that it was a lot of times it was like a press alignment, which the Vikings didn't use a lot of because that's the Flores scheme. But uh, it, it it's that you start in press square to the guy and then you actually open up your hips about 45 degrees and then you shuffle yourself. So you're getting a little bit of depth and a little bit of width. So if you shuffle your way outside, um, if that receiver is trying to outside release, which there are a lot of plays that require the receiver to outside release, you'll call them MOS, must outside release or MOR, must outside release um, or an MO go, must outside go. Uh, so if he tries to release to the outside of you, you're already getting so much width that you don't even need to use your body to redirect them. They have to redirect around you and go that far outside of their path just to get around you unless they want to try to go through you, which will probably disrupt their rhythm anyways. So you've kind of already won just by getting a lot of width in that shuffle step. And I think he did a really, really great job of that. I think he did a really good job with just the flexibility required to go from a backpedal to kind of a zone drop. He, he was very disciplined with his eyes. Um, there were a lot of things about that job that he did very well, that you're very happy with. The thing is, a lot of corners do those things well. And what sets Makai Blackman apart from the next guy is the question that that is a little bit harder to answer. But again, we go back to the expectation. As a, as a late third round pick, being a dude, right? I don't want to say just a guy because that's so like disparaging. Um, but if I can say it in a non-disparaging way, that's kind of what I mean. He is a guy that can do the job that is asked of him and the play will come down to somebody else. And on defense, we take those all day. That's great. <laughs> I mean, that's awesome, right? You're not somebody that's getting picked on really at all. Um, sure. He gave up some catches and he had some plays, some moments to forget. You think about the one from Cincinnati, right? Where he was coming over as, as the high, he was playing high safety because of weird Flores rotation crap. And that's part of it, too, is that, you know, if he can do a lot of these different jobs well enough without being the biggest superstar Earl Thomas, you know, deep dropper ever in the world. Well, that's fine, because once you can once the versatility starts to become a thing, then uh, you don't have to be that good, particularly good at anything, because the talent becomes how many different places you can be a contributor in, which allows the defensive coordinator to go off on the whiteboard. Right. Um, and, and I think we got a little bit of that with, with Makai Blackman and just, he was really good at the deep third, really good at the, at the flat. He was good at the quarter drop. He, uh, I, I think when he was in man, like he didn't press at all. And like Byron Murphy would press sometimes he would get up and, and you would just be man to coverage and Byron Murphy's just like, you want a slant, like, let's go. Um, that would happen sometimes never really with Makai Blackman. And I think that's probably something with either his trust in himself or the coaches trust in him. And that probably is a, you're not ready to press kind of thing. And, and that's a big minus. That's, that's a black, black X on your, on your record. But again, you don't need to, if you don't need to be that guy, because we have that guy, so, 
who is the CB1, who's somebody else, then it's not like a problem is going to come up, right? I, I want to keep um, musing on this and exactly what we can expect from Makai Blackman moving forward, what we want to look for. So uh, yeah, we're going to keep, keep chit-chatting. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel, which is America's number one sportsbook. And boy, is it a great time to be America's number one sportsbook because betting Christmas is coming up. That's the Super Bowl. And there's all kinds of wild and wacky things that you can find on FanDuel.com. If you are new, head on over to FanDuel.com slash locked on. You make any $5 bet. If that bet wins, can be the Super Bowl or something else. You can bet on a basketball team if you want or whatever. If that bet, whoever's playing the Pistons this week, uh, <laughs> if that bet wins, you get 200 bucks back in bonus bets. So that is what, 40 to 1 odds on <laughs> a $5 bet at any odds? You can do something like if the Super Bowl MVP is not on the losing team, which is minus 20,000. You don't get a lot back on your five bucks, but you can get your $200 in bonus bets. You can totally go there and do that. There's all kinds of crazy prop bets as well as spreads, over-unders, all that stuff, and, and all the normal stuff you usually see for like NBA and NHL and college sports and all that stuff. So head on over to fanduel.com slash locked on. Get that 200 bucks in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on. Fanduel, official sports betting partner of the NFL. Thanks so much for listening to the Locked On Vikings podcast every single day. Uh, if you want more Minnesota sports content, check out Locked On Sports Minnesota. Go to the YouTube page. Go find the live feed. It is 24-7 Minnesota sports talk from all Locked On uh, offerings. And uh, you would just you flip it on in the background and enjoy. And if you're watching on YouTube, it should take you right there at the end of the video. So, you know, don't, don't, don't touch a button. It'll just take you there. So... What can we expect from Makai Blackman then is the next question, uh, in, in, like moving forward, because I think it was very much like it was a nothing role. It was a role where you just filled a spot and as long as you didn't catastrophically mess up, you would be fine and the play would go somewhere else. That works for a DB that we take that right. That's not a disparaging thing at all. We, we will take that all day. That is a perfectly fine standard for a, for a guy taken in the middle rounds. And I think I think you can call that pick a hit so far long way to go, right? Guys can have good rookie seasons and fall apart. It happens all the time. So long way to go before we're really declaring victory or defeat on any draft picks from, from a year, right? You shouldn't do that. Um, but for what we expect a rookie from the middle rounds to do, I think we got that there, right? I mean, we don't even expect that guy to get on the field all the time. Um, so what can, what do we expect moving forward now? And I think it's it's not that interesting, but I do think it's the right answer, which is to win a job, right? If a Caleb Evans fell apart at the end of the last season, like there's a there's a conversation to be had about why that happened and, and if we're worried about him like long term, because he had a good year up until then. Um and what that means, like what does it mean to play really well for 13 weeks and then fall apart for the last four? Like that, <laughs> that there's something to be said about that. Uh but let's say that a Caleb Evans, for whatever reason, isn't there. Or, you know, let's say somebody, like, you bring somebody into the cornerback room and they get hurt or something like that, right? Like, depth is challenged. And I would say, if there is an opening for a starting job that is vulnerable, I expect, my expectation from Akai Blackman is go win it. Go get it, right? Uh, go, go be 
the starting corner that doesn't rotate out, that doesn't just come in when we've got three corners and we're only really in dime because, you know, we've got a three safety thing. And especially if Harrison Smith retires, if Harrison Smith retires, you get two safeties now, right? Unless Lewis seen has like a Renaissance, but you got, you got uh, uh, Metellus and Bynum. Those are your two safeties. And now you might have to play with a more normal defensive back structure. Flores didn't run a lot of three safety. I don't think because he thinks three safety is better. He ran a bunch of three safety because Josh Metellus was better to have on the field than Makai Blackman. And I don't, I don't think that, that anybody involved in that would even, I mean, he's Metellus. Right? He had a great year. He's a Pro Bowl alternate, right? But that might not be true anymore if Harrison Smith retires and the Vikings don't just go like get another starting safety and they might not feel like they have to because they have Bynum, they have Metellus. And if you want a rotational player that's a little spicy, we'll see what we can get in scene, right? Or maybe Theo Jackson, who will probably be back as an uh, exclusive rights free agent. Those two guys like compete for that job and you, and you feel you don't feel like you have to add a, a body. I, I would love a, a, you know, a fifth round safety or something like that just to add depth, you know, competition on special teams, that kind of thing. But I'll basically always be in for that regardless of who's on the team. So um, there is an opening in the kind of rotational fifth DB, fifth defensive back spot. And I think that was a spot that Makai Blackman and Josh Metellus were unofficially competing for. Do we feel better about the package with Metellus in it or the package with Blackman in it? That's got a lot to do with how well those two guys play. And um, they felt better with the Metellus package. Well, now you kind of have both those guys on the field. And so it becomes the same thing. Do we feel better with the three safety package with Scene or whoever in it or the three corner package with Blackman in it? I think we can expect Blackman to win that job based on the fact that we've seen nothing from, from Lewis Scene. How that happens and what I think you want to look for. So like one of the things from USC that I was looking for this year, like this year's version of this was that he shuffle stepped so much at USC and he never really straight backpedaled. He would never just like square to the line of scrimmage, shoulders straight, backpedal out, see what the wide receiver did and react to it, which is a more standard way of playing quarterback. He would always do these shuffle things. He would bail a lot. He would get his back turned a lot. He, was get, he would get his hips turned a lot. His hip angle, if you if you imagine, you know, I, I would always say like a headbutt, uh, a headlight on the belt buckle. If you imagine a headlight headlamp on your belt buckle, where is that? That thing should point directly at your uh, at the receiver for as long as you can. But he would often compromise that angle to get more width and more depth, which is valid, but gets you in trouble sometimes. Uh, and I don't really like it as much. I don't really like that style as much. And I didn't like the Makai Blackman pick kind of because of that. Uh, and and he did backpedal some. And I, I kind of said, okay, look out for more diverse footwork. And we saw it. We saw a little bit of it, but you could tell that it wasn't as comfortable. His comfort zone is in like a shuffle and, and a bail and just like off coverage bailout. Um, you know, get a little bit of width, force that receiver to, to stress their route and then turn bail run. That was his comfort zone. And whenever he was doing that, you would see his best plays. And I think his worst plays came when he was doing that other footwork. Um, it wasn't awful. Like you could, I mean, he, he clearly worked very hard to improve it over the course of the year. But there were times when um, he just didn't quite drop it right uh, or when his eyes would kind of get outside of him or when he would like carry something too far if he was, uh, you know, not quite comfortable with his feet. And, and I think to me that tells me you're doing something that you're still getting used to and you're not comfortable with yet. So I want to see that get comfortable get comfortable in all kinds of other things. I want to see Makai Blackman try to press a little bit. Even if it goes bad, it means that there's progress, right? You kind of have to get beat on that a little bit before you get good at it. Um, <laughs> I forget who it was that first said it, but yeah, nobody ever learned anything from winning. Um, 
you got you got to fail a little bit at that. So especially in the preseason, like if Makai Blackman has a catastrophe preseason because he's pressing the whole time and he's getting cooked, I might actually argue that that's a good thing because that's what we want to learn. And uh, when I do and everybody says I'm just coping, find this video. All right. Go play in this clip. <laughs> but I, I don't think that that's the way it would go anyways. I don't think you you break out your press in a preseason game before you're ready to because the psyche of a D-back, look at a Caleb Evans, uh, is so important. And once you lose that confidence, you lose everything. So all in all, with Blackman, um, I'm pretty happy with it. I, I, I think that the ask was fairly low compared to what was asked of the other defensive backs. And I think that's perfectly fine. Uh, he was not the featured guy on that defense. He wasn't asked to be the featured guy on that defense. He wasn't brought in to be the featured guy on that defense. Um, so I, I will take it with Makai Blackman. I, I will say for now, trajectory is trending toward a dub on that pick and definitely the same with Addison. So we're two for two on the top bit and call it three for three because the other, the second round pick was TJ Hawkinson more or less value wise, as well as like literally that's where the second round pick went. So, uh, that's the, that's the deal, man. I, I think that's three for three on that 2023 draft class so far, a long way to go before we can truly declare victory. But I think we've got a lot of reasons to feel good about it. Um, I'll keep going on these for as well. Maybe I will. I don't really know if I should because it's like Jaquel and Roy played like three snaps. Uh, Jaron Hall had like 50 and we, I covered them at length. Like, so I don't know if I'll keep going with those. I kind of just wanted to do like the big ones anyways. So maybe that'll be it, but I'll talk about whatever I want to talk about because, uh, it's my podcast and there's nothing you can do about it. I'll see you all tomorrow. My, uh, prisoners as always skull. (laughs) 